So hockey to me is just kind of like, I don't know, it's like, it's a, it's something I like to do and it's, it's something where I can like relieve and kind of feel who I am, like, you know, and sexuality doesn't really affect me on the ice. It, everything kind of just leaves my mind, it's something I can just go out and do and Welcome back to the Outfield Podcast, episode 14. So much has happened since I last recorded the show. A lot of people I wanted to get on didn't respond, so I'm going to go back to the tried and true hockey culture sucks running joke by having another hockey player on the show. Adam Fire, who plays club hockey at Wentworth in Massachusetts. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, considering, you know, pandemic came back. Yeah, you know what? It's, uh... It's quite unfortunate that it's, uh, you know, coming back, you know, up here in Massachusetts, you know, we've kind of kept it tamed down unlike other states. <laughs> you would think the state with a lot of bachelor degrees and smart people would know what they're doing. You would Massachusetts think. saves the world again. Uh, That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm sure that a lot of people across all methods of social media are really excited to hear that. <laughs> Me I like to hear it. It's true, you know? Well, I'm sure that they do because everybody loves people from Massachusetts, particularly sports fans. Anyway, I have to start <laughs> off with something very obvious here. I know most of you are thinking, how many people call you Adam Fryer? Um, I would probably say if you brought me in a room of 100 people, at least 98 of them would call me Adam Fryer. I did that the so. first time, and then I realized that that was not a good idea. That's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. People come in and they're like, oh, like, Adam Fryer. I'm like, buddy, come on. Just, can you just use a Boston accent or something? Say Fryer or like, let's go. Come on. <laughs> I will not use a Boston accent because that would be too stereotypical of me to do this. And you don't have one. You, you've kind of escaped the worst of it. Yeah, I kind of have, you know, living on the outside of Boston, but going into the school, going into the city for school, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess we can't make fun jokes about you in that horrible Super Bowl commercial with all the Boston accents, which was awful, by the way. That one is quality. What are you talking about? Stunk. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was, what was that? that was, you're talking about the Hyundai one, right? Yes. That one was classic. Come on. It was, it, was, it was bad. But that's okay. We don't have to agree on a commercial that was four months old and you'll never see again because the pandemic ruined everything. Uh, anyway, I want you to give a little uh, introduction to your story here first because, as I said, hockey player. I love doing hockey stories on this show because there aren't many that I get to do because there aren't many hockey players that are out, particularly in, in men's hockey at any level, let alone the one that you're at. So give people a little introduction to your story. There's also another sport involved too, which is going to make this a very interesting discussion. But first, as I said, give people a little introduction to who you are and your story before we get more into it. So, well, obviously my name's Adam Fyra. Um, I'm a junior at Wentworth uh, Institute of Technology. And so I really didn't start my career um, as like a hockey player per se, you know. I kind of started my uh, career as a Division II football player where I went to the University of New Haven and was um, going to kick there. Um, but I got halfway through my semester there and I got severely sick with mono and was like, all right, I'm done checking out. But um, at the University of New Haven, I also played um, club hockey there, um, which was also wicked fun, you know, just a couple couple guys in the ice. Um, so, yeah, so I really came out first to my parents in high school and everything. Um, and that was easy, but I had always felt like the social pressure, you know, the social pressure that comes along with it. Um, and I was like, all right, that's fine, you know. But then there's always this situation where it's like hockey culture is kind of just like, oh, shit, like, you know, we got to, like, 
they always make gay jokes in the locker room and it just sucks. And it's like, all right, you're just sitting there and you don't know what to do. Um, and I was sitting there one day and I was just like, I don't feel comfortable anymore. This was in high school. I was like, I really don't feel comfortable anymore. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to see you later. Um, so then I picked it back up and, um, picked it back up in college essentially, um, while playing football. And I decided to give up football and continue with hockey because I found it, well, more, more enjoyable, um, to be honest. It just was more fun. I could just let my, like, there was really nothing that could go wrong for me with that. It was just a bunch of fun on the ice. Um, and I started to feel like I wanted to be more myself. And, again, there was just people making horrendous jokes. They were using the word fag. They were using the word whatever. Just, like, poke fun at each other. And I was just sitting there awkwardly, you know. Have you, have you, have you ever felt that awkward feeling where you're just kind of sitting there and just, like, really? Like, you're making that joke in front of me? Like, well, I never got, it never hurt me personally. I just was like, you people really aren't funny. You have nah, no joke left. It's the same repetitive joke over and over again. Like, they call each other gay. They go, what are you gay? Are you fag? Like, really? Like, you're just going to say that again and again? Like, As if like, the word itself is supposed to make you laugh, which, it, let me think, it doesn't, really. It doesn't, no. But it just, it just kept getting repetitive, and I was just like, all right, whatever. But there was a point where it just kind of, kind of just weighed on me, and I was like, all right. I kind of just sat down with some of my friends, and I was like, all right, listen, guys. Like, this was at New Haven. I was like, all right, guys. Like, listen. Like, I'm like gay, and like, I know my um, the guy, the uh, the guy who kind of like helped me come out, um, which is Ian, who was like an orientation leader, and like was kind of like also the guy in a fraternity who I had looked up to because he was in a he was a gay guy in a fraternity, which like you know you don't see that often. Well, I guess you do apparently, but. Um, and he kind of just like stood up in front of my entire class, which is over a thousand people. And was like, yeah, I'm gay and I'm in a fraternity. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of dope. <laughs> um, but like I talked to him about it and he was like, all right, like, you just need to do it. Like you'll feel so much better and whatever. Um, but I just sat down with some of the guys and I was like, listen, guys, like I'm gay. Like it, it doesn't really change who I am. They, they all understood. And they're like, listen, like we know Ian and like he's like a brother to us. And like, like, listen, like you are exactly like what Ian is to us, like you're like a brother you're considered a brother to us and that's just how that went for um new haven at least and it just was it scared me shitless and the jokes i was like all right guys but you need to chill the fuck out on the jokes like it just was crazy i i got so tired of them it's it's repetitive it's repetitive and repetitive and repetitive it's every day you know on and off the ice and whatever but i just i kind of made the point to say to them i was like this is done like we're not doing that anymore (laughs) It's so, so funny how this is going to be the podcast. We're six minutes in, and I can already tell it's going to be the one with the most swears in it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's not that you can't do it. I'm not going to say that you can't. I just Limit it. Not to, maybe there are 10-year-olds listening to this show in some uh. universe on Earth, too. But <laughs> I try to keep it as, as clean in air quotes as possible, even though okay. I, I don't know how that's even possible with you talking about stuff like this when you're, you're – again, you're talking about the language you hear. Yeah, And we'll get to why your story is most particularly interesting, because you had to do this with two different teams. I cannot imagine coming out to one hockey team, let alone two of them. Uh, but uh, I want to start with your life growing up, because you say you grew up in Massachusetts. And it's important to get people's family story, just so you can get a background of where they were. Because some people might have gone through <laughs> quite a bit of hell with their family before they had to deal with the sports stuff. Uh, I don't know whether you had to do that. Hopefully not. But how was your family life growing up? So I kind of, I grew up in a house where my mom, my mom's a social worker. So, you know, she's very, um, like liberal, you know, fine with everything. Um, my dad, my dad is more of a, 
my dad actually refs hockey east um which is the big league up here you know bubc i imagine what he hears on the ice yeah some of the stuff he hears on the ice he tells me like he, and he laughs but it's just it's kind of it's funny and then uh, you should some some of the stuff that the newer refs say to the players is actually hysterical um in in hawk in the league of hockey east it's uh <laughs> They give it right back sometimes, just that to say the least. That would be a great podcast to do at some point in the future. I will be ecstatic to do that. <laughs> if we talk with the referees who are actually going to say, no, actually, no, well, I'm going to make the joke back at you. <laughs> and, and, the, and the college kids who are thinking, wow, I'm the funniest guy in the room, and, and then the ref making the jokes is like, oh, boy. And then the players probably just sitting there like, oh, crap, come on, you guys, really? Just and embarrassed. Some people who have been drafted in the NHL, too, and that, I think, would just be even better. Yeah, I would. <laughs> so, yeah, no. So, I, I, my family life with coming out was kind of relatively easy. I was more afraid to come out to my um, dad, which uh, was, it was tough, but it kind of just needed to happen. I didn't really have any resistance against it. I, that was easy. Coming out to my brother was also another hard part. I remember um, coming out to my brother, I was sitting in my high school parking lot, bawling my eyes out over the phone to him. And at that time, he, was dating the girl he's dating right now and she and he's like he was like yeah like she said like you got to accept them you know I'm like and which was really sweet of her and it just everything was kind of easy you know I grew up in a relatively easy household for coming out I would say because my mom was so liberal and kind of forced that aspect on everybody you never know I mean you would assume stereotypically if you're living in Massachusetts, the answer might be yes, but you can never guess. Yeah. That. You can never assume. And that's one of the things that you're always afraid of as a, as a gay male or gay female coming out to your family. You just don't know who, what to expect. Like I have family up in New Hampshire that like they all, everybody knows now, but back then I just was terrified to come out. And when I came in, when I um, was in college, I remember I was dating this one kid who forced me to post an Instagram picture of um, me and him. And my aunt called me. She's like, my aunt texted me. She's like, she's like, Adam, can we talk? And um, I was like, yeah. And then she ended up calling me like 15 minutes later. And then she, I picked up the phone and she was bawling her eyes out. She's like, Adam, listen, like, no matter who you are, no matter what, who you love, like, I'll still always love you. And it was just kind of like, oh, wow. All right. Like, I, I guess like I shouldn't feel as uncomfortable as I have with my family. And I know it's not like that all around the board, but um you don't know what to expect from people from New Hampshire sometimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave that one be because I haven't been to New Hampshire yet. Although I did have a friend that lived in New Hampshire for many years, so perhaps he can better explain this. I think the thing that is it's not unique about these stories, but it's something that is very evident, is that when you come out to whoever you're coming out to, who you are then to them fundamentally changes whether they're going to accept you or not. Yeah, then that, that's kind of that's also kind of like the crazy thing. It's just you don't you don't know if it has actually changed the image of like yourself, like not the image they have of you. Like you don't know if it's actually changed that into a worse or bad way. They could always just be showing a front, but you kind of just have to accept it. So I find it I find it tricky because even when it's you know people are going to accept you, and that's that's the case with me. That's the case with people on this show. Is you just don't know whether that the reaction is going to be what you hope it's going to be. It never is in terms of like, you can never imagine what the reaction itself is going to be. As in, you know, my sister comes on a, a Skype call with her when I came out to her and she's screaming at me, but it's in a good way. She's like, I yeah. can't believe it. So yeah, it's, like, it's never guessed that you can never predict it. And like, my mom was like, she's like, you know, we'll accept you no matter who you are. It's kind of like, you don't know. And like my brother was just like, I didn't know what to, you never know what to expect from like your siblings. 
Is he older than you or younger? He's three years older than me. Mm-hmm. So it's it was like, uh, all right, like I had always looked up to him, and he had gone and played football in college as well. Um, he played at first at Hamilton uh, in New York, and then he transferred to WPI in Worcester. Uh, and he was a kicker and a wide receiver. Um, I was a better kicker than he was. That's just downright facts because I don't D2. But, um. <laughs> it's interesting how we normally talk about kickers in football being soccer players, and now I get a hockey player. So that's a little bit different. I like so that. So actually, I was, a, I was a hockey player. I'm not, I was a hockey player. I was a soccer player in high school as well my hmm. sophomore and freshman year. Of course so. you were. You have to be. If you're a kicker, you, you played soccer at some point. It's just yeah. in the stars. It's in, it's in the, yeah, it's in the stars. <laughs> that is just how it works. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Just how many good soccer players have we lost? And by we, I mean the U.S. as a collective have lost being kickers. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I want to focus on why you came out in high school when you did. What was the driving force behind it? And the story of age, coming of age for you as a gay man, knowing first that you're gay, and then why you decide to come out when you do, as you do in high school. Not just your parents, but I think in general, just the people around you. Because it, it, the first time you come out is always harder, of course. And yeah. always the, the evolution of somebody coming to understand. Because you have it in high school. I didn't have that until I was in college and later. Yeah. So come, my coming of age, like I was probably around like seventh grade. I was like, all right, like right, I've tried dating a couple girls. You know, you, you always go through that phase where you're like, all right, I'm going to try dating girls. And then you're kind of like, you're like, I really don't feel it. And you're like, all right, I feel, I don't feel anything towards them. I don't, whatever. And I was like, all right, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm gay. I'm like, all right, try. I had, I was like kind of afraid of myself for a little bit. Like I didn't know how to like process myself. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever. And I got to high school and I was like freshman. I was like, all right, still kind of hiding myself. Didn't really do anything. Didn't like reach out to anybody who was gay or whatever. Um, sophomore year, same thing, whatever. Um, junior year came around and I was like, I, I kind of need to like try and like, you know, talk to someone, see if I'm actually like gay and whatever. And so I started talking to like a few people and being like, I like asking them questions, like either like people who I knew were gay or like, like family, not family members, but like family friends who were gay. And I'm like, like, how did you know you were gay or whatever? And like, they kind of just ran, ran it down. I was like, all right, like I feel that way as well about people, about guys or whatever. And then it came to my, like, I started talking to someone in high school, like a, like a, not a boyfriend, but like someone I was talking to. And I was like, all right, like, I want to be able to hang out with this person and not have to lie seven different ways, you know? Because we've all been through those, like, relationships or whatever, where we were lying to our friends, lying to our family, where we always had, like, a cover up story, kind of just being like, oh, yeah, no, we were just chilling out, you know, just with friends or at the beach or whatever. Um, but I got to a point where I was like, all right, I just want to do this. And, I this is re this is gonna sound really 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 cliche, um, <laughs> so I was a junior in high school and it was one of my like one of the last football games of the season and I was like all right it was it was pouring rain I was like all right like if we win this field if we win this game by like a field goal like I'll come out to like like my best friend in high school and that's it and like come out to my best friend and like my parents in high school and so obviously well not obviously but. I was stepped up to the plate and we won the game by one field goal. It was against some town in my some town, Newburyport, which is up the street from where I live. Um, and basically, I brought my friend to the side, brought her into my truck, and I was like, "Listen." And this girl, she was head over heels for me, like she loved me, like she wanted to date me, whatever. I was like, "Listen, like, listen, I'm I'm gay." And she looked at me. She's like, "Adam." She like grabbed my arm, all dramatic. Adam, 
you sure? She's like, you know, we could still date. And I was like, no, listen, like, I'm gay. She's like, listen, I, I will love you no matter what. Like, just be you and be happy. That's all that really matters. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, all right, like, damn, all right. One of my friends kind of accepted me. Like, I'm happy about that Like in high school. And that's really who, all who I kind of told in high school because I just didn't want it to affect like who I was or my like path for what I wanted to do with football and or whatever. And then when I came out to my parents, I came out later, like a week after that, um, I kind of just sat down with my mom and I was like, listen, so yeah, I think I'm gay. The keyword would be, I think, um, it still cracks me up that I said that. I think she didn't look at your browsing history, did she? No, she didn't. That was probably a good thing. <laughs> we use, <laughs> we use the iPad for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one version of this joke I can make. I've made it in many other ways, and perhaps <laughs> may happen later in the show too. Who knows? But I, I, it's a diplomatic way of saying what everybody's thinking. Yeah, that's that's actually true. <laughs> no, but yeah, if she looked at my browsing history, I probably would have been screwed from the beginning. <laughs> like, what's this? What is this? I don't know. My brother must have been on there. <laughs> Boy, I mean, voice that upon him. Poor guy. <laughs> Oh gosh! And then uh, that, that you have to do about things he'll never understand. No, he won't. <laughs> oh, and then yeah, no, I kinda... about this now in hindsight. Yeah, and then I then I was like, all right, like I needed to figure out how to tell my dad, and I just I kind of did the thing where I was like, mom, can you kind of just tell dad? And she told my dad, and my dad shot me this huge long text. And I was like, all right, and they could they accept me? And then I ended up. A couple of weeks later, my brother was still in college, and I ended up calling my brother, crying in the parking lot, again, and just being like, "Listen, like I'm gay. Like I was, I was breaking down to him, like, because I just didn't know what his image of me would change. Like, obviously, he's my brother, and I love him, and I didn't know if he'd love me back. And he stood up to his word that he loves me, even though we get into our little hissy fits and fights. It's family, <laughs> um, but it's it's it was all a good story. It was all a good like. It just it needed to happen for my family, for me to feel comfortable in my house and around them. It just was kind of one of those things. So, so I have to ask this question because you are younger than me. You're <clears throat> years younger than me. This is getting weird to say because this is <laughs> this is happening uh, again. I feel older even though I'm only 26. That's that's a really stupid thing to say, but it's true. So I knew what it was like for me in high school, where the only person that was out was what we called quote unquote theater kid. Which was not saying anything other than they were involved in theater and that was their thing. And he was, and it was pretty obvious to tell that he was gay and everybody knew it. And my thought was, well, I'm not like him, which is, you know, quote unquote, I'm not like all the other girls, which is a horrible thing. And I hate saying it, but it was true because that was the thought process. And you played football, you played hockey. You know, I, to many people, you might not come across as the stereotypical gay guy. And when you're no. young, you do not have any other image of that in your head. No. And that's no fault of your own. That's just the way that society has presented it. So did you ever find any, I don't know if dissonance is the word, but did you ever find that that was something that you needed? You're like, is there anybody in sports or who's like me that's out there that's gay because I don't see anybody like there, there as out there? Yeah, I had always kind of been like, all right, like, is this normal in like athletics? And like, we had this one gay kid in our, our school who was you know, on the more of a flamboyant side and stuff. And he's a, he's a really, really nice kid, but he just was very dramatic, very flamboyant and stuff. And I had always been like, all right, that's not me, just like you said. And I was just, I just was wondering, like, is there anybody who's gay? And I had never done the research at the time. Um, I don't even know if people were out, out back, like, 
professionals were out back then but for you i would assume if i'm going to do the math it was probably like 2014 if i'm guessing or something like that when you're i graduated 20 i graduated 2017 so yeah around there okay so there would have been some but not not a ton there would have been some i mean yeah yeah so i i just kind of was i never really did the research and i was just always like is there anybody else like me like i hadn't really like you you can't tell if people are gay sometimes like me like they're kind of people are hidden and you know it's kind of just it's weird and you don't know who's who and you don't know who who you can tell what and because sometimes it can be very like especially in high school high school was such a very such a such a culture where it's like clicky and I grew up in a small town so it's like a clicky and like if you say the one wrong thing like you can be like just your whole entire reputation within the school and all your friends can just ditch you and go bye-bye toxic is what you're telling me something like that yeah along those lines or you can be like me and say nasty things about everybody, which I because I didn't care. And I really still don't. It was amazing when I went back to a high school reunion and people had much more positive thoughts about me than I thought because I said a lot of nasty things about people in, in high school. It was definitely true. Uh, no. you, were very, you were very open about your opinion. It was nothing about sexuality. It was just like in general. I yeah. things about people that... Mm, hey, some, sometimes, sometimes people like brutally honest is what we're going to call it. I, I, say it was an unrefined form of sarcasm is how I would describe it. It was sarcasm <laughs> that hadn't yet been finely tuned to the point where you could make a joke with the certain people who are the butt of the joke not understanding what you're talking about. So you played football. In hockey, you, you played in high school, and then you stopped a little bit to focus on football. So I, so I played hockey from my freshman year to my uh, junior year. I got into a conflict with a senior where we ended up getting into a fist fight on the ice during practice because he was picking on freshmen. And after that, I was kind of just oh, like, "That sounds familiar. I've heard that before." Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was during practice, and my coach was not my. The coach for my team was just a dumbass. Pardon the language, but that's the only way I can describe him. Um, well, you haven't been following the news in hockey lately. It turns out a lot of hockey coaches aren't very smart, <laughs> so it just happens to be the case in this sport. Yeah, very, 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 seems like, seems like a theme, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, I apologize for this kind of being something I talk about a lot, and we'll get into it in a few minutes, but I mean, the joke I make is, it's such a straight-jacketed, conformist culture in hockey that even the people coming out have to do it in the exact same way. Yeah. And it's And it's true, sadly, so, again... Elder statesmen on team picking on young players just because they're young and they went through it. Again, sounds a little like hockey culture to me. Yeah, it, it honestly, it doesn't really need to happen. Like, yeah, like the jokes might build stronger bonds, but like, is it really worth like tormenting someone? Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> let them enjoy their time on the team. Don't screw with their high school career. So, okay. you took one for the team, literally. Yeah, I took one for the team and couldn't open my jaw for about two days. That was fun. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I gave him a concussion, though, so we're good. Well, more hockey-related things. So then you decided that kicking was better. Yeah, then I decided, I was like, all right, you know what? I want to, I have more of a, I, I had more of a chance, you know, to kind of go and do something with kicking. I could go and play kicking in college because I was basically kind of just a goon on the ice. I had racked up probably the second most penalty minutes in hockey during high school. <laughs> um, the refs all knew me knew my number and my name very well um but i kind of just decided like listen like i'm gonna i i have more of a outcome in football and i ended up talking to a lot of colleges up in up and down the north up and down the um northeast and 
um, I ended up deciding on like, all right, we're going to go and try to kick division two. And I, I, my goal was to go to the NFL, but that didn't really happen. Cause I just was, I just couldn't, I didn't, I didn't really, I, I fell out of love with what I was doing at that university. So, well, it's not the first time I've heard that story. And it's not the first time I've heard about kickers being out that the last show was a kicker. <laughs> How that works. On this, pro- on this show, it's a, this is the theme here. We continue on. So how does football fall out of the picture for you to then focus entirely on hockey at not one but two schools? So I, I basically, I, in, high, in high school, I was like, all right, we're going to go play football in college. And then I went to college, and I was like, all right, I enjoyed it for a little bit. I had my fun, and then I got sick with mono, and I was like, all right. I got really, really, really sick, and I had to take a step back from football. And I decided not to go back because I fell out of love with what I was studying. I was studying criminal justice originally. And I was like, all right, this is too boring for me. And well, good thing. Well, I'm, uh, I don't know if you want to say that now, all things considered. But again, this was happening before. Yeah, it's happening before. It was, just, it was just the information and the content that I was studying. I just didn't like it. Was, it was a lot of pa- not paperwork. It was a lot of like writing. And I'm not a very good writer. I'm more so into like physical, like math and like not, not so physics, but like structures and stuff which is why i'm studying construction management now but <laughs> that's a different story mm-hmm. so, but so you never actually came out to your your team at new haven no i never did i kind of just was i'd walk around the locker room they would they, even the football culture is kind of brutal on it it's they make a lot of the same jokes and stuff and whatever but it's it's more it's it's i, I find it worse in the hockey culture than it is in football because football they're all i feel they're all <laughs> Some of them are meatheads. Some of them are actually like really smart. So why, why do you say that? Because I agree with you. Just from the the stories that I hear and the stories that I've been able to tell on the show, I can say that hockey is the worst out of all of the sports in terms of the culture with regards to us. So why I do you feel think that is for football from your experience. Why is it better? So football is like a better. I feel like it's more of like a you actually need to be a team to play football. You actually need to be all in this together. You know, and like, um, I, it's just not, and you can, and you're not all congested in one locker room. One locker room kind of made the situation, you know, like, all right, like everybody's going to pick on everybody or whatever. And like, you really don't have like your own set space in some lock, depending who you play for. Like for my hockey team, we didn't have a locker room. We just all crowd in one locker room and like, you'd just be making jokes about each other constantly versus like football. You kind of got, you got your own locker, you got your own space, you know? Um, and people are just smarter about what they say and because they're more deter- I feel like they're more focused on football because football is more complicated of like a sport some in some aspects as in like the plays and routes and I feel like they're trying to get their head more so in the game that's my that's from my aspect at least that's how I played football when I was in high school well all you had to do was kick, but I mean yeah bad college kickers so you know yeah it's still it's still a lot of pressure though. Don't under, don't underestimate I, I it. I understand that completely. I just love that hashtag because it's my one of my favorite parts of kickers college. matter. <laughs> Kicker are people too. Well, the, it was punters are people too, but they are. Yeah. So, it, it, this is also uh, this is also true. I just find it interesting if people it, I've not talked to none of people on this show yet who have done two sports, so or two sports at a high enough level where they can say about this definitively and i played none of them at any high level so i don't feel comfortable in making any judgments other than based on the stories i get told so for in your case hockey you decide then you go back to wentworth so let's talk about first uh, about football this was a d2 scholarship 
No, no, no scholarship. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> well, okay. D2, you can get a scholarship. Yes, yes, yeah. But it, it is not D3 where you do not get that, and it wasn't club. So I'm just going to make no. the distinction here. So when you were also at New Haven, you you did play a little bit of hockey at New Haven. That That's right, yes? Yeah, so I, I played at the same – I played, like, towards the end of my football career. I played I – was, I was starting to pick up hockey as well because I just – I wanted to create something else, like more friends outside of football because all the friends I really had were in football, and I was really going nowhere on campus, you know. You kind of, I just was, I kind of felt trapped. I was like, all right, I need to meet other people and whatever. And I, I wanted to get back into skating. You know, if you leave hockey, most of the hockey players who are listening to this can probably understand me. It's like if you leave a sport or whatever and you actually truly love that sport, you'll never really stop playing. You'll always find a way to go back to it. It'll probably be like, you played, did you play soccer or is that just something you observed? I played soccer when I was like 10 and then my sister was better than me when she was seven. <laughs> Stopped. See, like, for me, it's something I've always wanted to go back to, and it's something I could always play. So I was like, all right, you know what? I might as well just go try, like try, try it, you know, see how it is. And I ended up making a bunch of friends, and like I still, they still all, like I still go down there a couple times a year, you know, to parties and such. But it's still interesting how you say that I felt trapped in football because one of the things I think people will say about hockey culture is you feel trapped in hockey because you don't have friends outside of the sport. Well, it's like it, it was a little bit different. It was it was me opening up to like because the the hockey team at New Haven was also part of a fraternity as well the SAE um, fraternity so that also opened up a larger group um, but it was just finding friends outside of football and like football yeah it's like a very popular sport and people are like oh my gosh he's a football player I'm gonna hang out with him um, like yeah that that's cool and all but like I wanted to have people who knew me outside of football not as just a football player I wanted people who know me for who I was and like kind of my interests and stuff and like my other interests is like hockey you know I like hockey and I like to play that and or like what I was doing like photography or whatever but every gay does photography let's be honest not me but <laughs> does that not count <laughs> no that doesn't count sorry <laughs> I'm not going to make any firm judgments on that <laughs> no that's a joke don't worry about it I, I know but you know, I'm not in the midst of stereotyping people and stereotypical gay things we, we don't do that here <laughs> the point of the podcast is to show that that is not everybody in this community is not like that no it's not but so you it's... have this interesting story as i said you come out to not just one hockey team but two two yeah which is i cannot imagine coming out to one let alone two of them so you talked a little bit about the new haven story first before you left and went to wetworth new haven was also club so this isn't a question that I've been thinking about a lot, and I've been talking a lot about this hockey culture stuff because of some of the things that are going on in the news and the people that I interact with. And I think about what is the relationship that people have with capital H hockey, the institution? Like, what is your relationship with it? For you, you have a, a relationship enough where you want to continue playing even though you went through stuff that obviously is quite bad, you know, and traumatic, right? And a lot of people were going to go through similar to what you went through. So what is your relationship with capital H hockey at this point? So hockey to me is just kind of like, I don't know. It's like, it's a, it's something I like to do. And it's, it's something where I can like relieve and kind of feel who I am. Like, you know, and sexuality doesn't really affect me on the ice. It, everything kind of just leaves my mind. It's something I can just go out and do and like, you know, have fun and just be kind of, I, I don't talk much on the ice, but I, I kind of can just do what I do, you know? without anybody judging me unless I fall. Um, that's what it's come to at this point now. But like from before I came out, it was just like, you know, you'd get all those like jokes or whatever on the ice. And I'm like, really guys, are you kidding me? 
Mm-hmm. So. And, and so, like, that's that's the, the question I have, because for so many people, they don't know whether the homophobic slurs are absolutely, like, mm-hmm. hatred of you or yeah. they're just saying it because they're talky. Yeah, so, like, that's, a, that's another thing, too, that I, I, I'd kind of thought about and whatever, but you really don't know who's, like, homophobic or who's not, and that's another thing why I re- a reason I struggle to come out to like people especially within like a fraternity kind of um like situation like new haven like you don't know who's comfortable with it but fraternities which are well i don't want to say the same because that's probably not true but close to the same yeah it it was kind of it just kind of like you don't know who's actually homophobic and you don't know if they're making the joke just to kind of try to be funny and get a giggle or or who someone's actually like serious or like whatever and like doesn't like joking around doesn't like anything like that it's kind of the something that we have to face in the hockey community, and unfortunately, sometimes people are like are like that. I haven't really run into a situation like that unless they hit it, because they I'm bigger than most of the kids on any team I've faced or um, have been on. So, what position do you play? I think I can guess what position you play by based on what you're telling me. So, I play defense. I knew that that was going to be the answer. <laughs> so I'm a six foot one, two hundred pound defenseman. I could tell. I could. Once you said I'm bigger than them, I'm like, okay, you play defense. I think maybe the other reason why you don't have the same sort of issue that maybe perhaps others have had is because you're playing club. It is more for the love of the game rather than I'm worried about my career at this point, you know? Yeah. that's one of the stories you hear about when you talk to people who play at higher levels. Is your career at threat? Yeah, it's like a career and like, obviously, like, in the, in the NHL, like, like you don't, you don't, you don't know way, you don't know what way the organization is going to go. Like they could, they could fire you for, they could say they fire you for this reason, but it could be actually because they are either homophobic or whatever, or um, the fans aren't going to rally behind you, or they make fun of you, or they do what they do at, um, used to do at UMaine for the referees is where they um, used to hang a referee over the balcony. Um, subtle. Yeah, very subtle, right? <laughs> they used to have nameplates on them too. So. I don't think they're going to get away with that anymore. No, they don't. <laughs> just, just a guess. So, yeah. So you come out to one team, which is crazy. Yeah. And you have to do it all over again. So when I when I transferred, I just kind of locked myself back into the box, and I was just like, I was afraid to kind of come out to anyone on campus because Wentworth is a it's a tech school, and the major I'm in is also it's construction management. It's it's filled with people who are very, um, I would say, right. Um, right-winged or whatever that is, um, however you want to describe it, that some of them are not very accepting of those things. And that, that upon itself was kind of just scary to me. Um, but I just decided, I was like, all right, like, I kind of just need to rip off the Band-Aid. I just want to feel who I, like, be who I am. And it just was, it was just time, so... So how does this second story of coming out to another hockey team play out? Because so does it? How different was it from the first one, and what did you do differently from the second time as opposed to the first time? So what I kind of did differently is I kind of just was sitting there and I just was like, I originally at New Haven I had like sat down with some people and just been like, listen guys, like I'm gay, like whatever, like. And I just was sitting there, and they're like, "All right, like we love you no matter what, like whatever you're like, you're still our brother." Um, but at at Wentworth, it was just I was sitting in the locker room, and there was a couple freshmen, and I was a so- I know I was a freshman at this time, but there was a couple like uh, like freshmen and sophomores making jokes, like gay jokes or um, 
No, I was a sophomore. It was freshman making jokes. Excuse me. So I was a sophomore, and there was freshman making jokes, and I was sitting there, sitting next to the kid, and I was like, "You're gonna use the word. You're gonna use. I'm gonna say it. You're gonna use the. You're gonna use fag, really." I was like, "Why?" And he and, he, and it was just throughout the whole entire like time we were sitting in the locker room, he was just kept saying, kept saying, kept saying it. And I was just sitting there, kind of enraged. I don't know why. I'm like, "You're not you." Because that's a dehumanizing word. It is. And I just was sitting there, sitting next to him. I'm like, really? I'm like, all right. I was like, and I, I just was, oh, I was so infuriated. I was like, listen, I was like, I'm gay. Don't say that word around me or else I will throw you through the boards again. Don't use it in that term. I'm the only one who can say that on this team. So. so was this just to one person or was it basically to everybody or Everybody. This was this was kind of just in the locker room. I was sitting there and I was just sitting. We were getting dressed before practice, um, and I was like, "Listen, like, don't use that word, anybody, especially to this one kid who was sitting next to me." And I was like, "I'm the only one who can say that. I'm gay, like, and whatever." So, How did, what was the step after that? What so, a lot of kids, you, you could kind of just see them like, like go back into themselves, be like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Like, really? <laughs> They're like, I can't believe I just said that. Like, this kid's going to absolutely kick my... Yeah. Um, and so, like, I just was like, but listen, you guys, like, just be cool about it. Like, I don't mind some gay jokes. Like, obviously, like, I make gay jokes sometimes, and well, it's whatever. Because you can. Yeah, I can. And, like, if they're, like, lighthearted and funny, it's whatever. But if they're, like, demeaning and whatever, like, don't say it. Don't say it around me. Don't ever say it. If I ever hear you saying it, I, I think it's hard for people to understand, like just how much it really does eat at you when you hear stuff like that. It's 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 crazy, and I I had always like like heard it in like middle school, high school, and whatever, and it kind of had offended me. But it, as I got older and I got and I learned more about like the history of like the the gay culture and stuff, and I was like, all right, like. I became more mature and I just was like, really guys like you're this old you're you're in college like and you understand that this can offend people this can hurt people people have just issues with that and I'm just I'm sitting there and it just was it just blew my mind that especially because he probably used the word probably 10 times within four minutes so you counted yeah <laughs> Shows you how bad it could be when you actually have to count this. Yeah, it it was getting, and it had been from like a couple practice. It had been like for a couple weeks that I'd just been like, all right, like really, guys. Just been, I've just been sitting there with my head down, kind of just not saying anything. And they make jokes about girls and stuff, which is, you know, what straight guys do apparently. Um, and what? Yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I could, but I don't because it's not respectful. Like you don't, you don't do that. Well, there's so, no point because the joke's not funny. Yeah, it's not. It's demeaning. It's whatever. But like, I just was sitting there and just was like, all right, like it's just time to do this. Like, I need to say something. It's enraging me. And I kind of just after that, I put my helmet on and I went on the ice and I practiced. And I had a couple kids come up to me um, during practice and they were like, oh, like, like listen, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I use that word. I'm like, I'm like, it's fine, but just don't do it again. All right. Like, it's not acceptable. Like, that's not what this team's about. Um, and whatever, like, um, when I had my story released by Outsports, I had actually a couple of the, um, 
couple of the staff of my university reached out to me like, listen, like the team should not have acted in this way. I'm like, I'm like, listen, like this is locker room culture. And the only way that we're going to change it is for people like me to stop it and explain to them why it, like why, how it affects them or why it affects them and how it's not good. So, but it's so hard because the, the culture of hockey is also part two is to not say anything. It is. It's not to say anything. It's all about like hush hush and, Whatever, and it's not focused it's, on hockey or a distraction. Yeah. So is that a culture you even notice at a level where you wouldn't think it would be as much of a big deal? What the hush hush if you're not focused well, on hockey? Yeah, or? Like, even then, because again, we're talking about people who are legitimately playing for the love of the game here. Yeah. Be playing because they want their career to be advanced. You know, because I could imagine, and you're in New England. You're, you're. We talked about your dad being a referee at Hockey East. Like a lot of those kids some of them are nhl draftees and that matters immensely you're not at that level but again like the culture of hockey and again i know it sounds like a running joke and i'm picking on an old punching bag but it's true and i can't say it enough like if the culture of hockey is like this at a level that is again purely legit for the love of the game as opposed to we're doing this because we actually need to advance our careers not just the the players but the coaches and things like that then that shows you how pervasive it is and how hard it is to break, and it only takes a moment like yours where people go, oh, crap. And then that moment only really lasts for the extent that you're on the team, and the new kids will come in, and the whole culture will kind of, it'll, it'll, it won't fall apart, but it will just kind of disappear, fade out through time. Like, I only have X amount of years at this university, and my influence on the team can only be that long. Like, yes, it can last a couple, couple afterwards, but there's, unless there's a kid on the team like me who's... Um, who's out and, ad, and and like advocates for myself or for other um, LGBT, LGBT community members, um, then it's not going to continue, which it sucks, but you know, it's like, it kind of just, re- it makes me realize how like things don't always change because it's not said to them every day. And that's, that's why we talk about the pervasive aspects of it because it really is pervasive. And I, I think, like, we the question now is how do you actually do this if you aren't gay and you don't know a gay person on your team? Because if I can count on the number of hands the people I've seen who have come out in hockey, just male players at any level, the number might be, like, six or seven of everybody who's played hockey in the history of hockey, just at any level like this. I'm not talking about the, you know, gay teams that you see pop up in, like, Toronto or places like that. Yeah. But, you know, like, just at any level. Like, the number of professional players that have come out, past or current, in the sport of hockey is three. Yeah. it's And it's, it's the same amount with, like, like football or whatever, but it's more, it's more detrimental football, in the hockey community. So Because of just the number of people that play the sport. But also, yeah. the culture is a little less bad. Yeah. I don't want to say better, because that's not true. It's just no, less no. bad. In all sports, it sucks, but... Um, in hockey, it's it's noticeably for me at least it was noticeably more different because you just were like, all right, you had always heard these slurs and you had always heard like like if you're gay, like whatever. Um, and the question I always think about is why does it become so ubiquitous in hockey? And maybe you have a better answer than I do because I still haven't figured it out because. I mean, again, like, again, you could hear, as I joked before, the culture in this place, in numbers of other people. We've talked to somebody on this show from Saskatchewan who said basically the same thing. From England, <laughs> largely the same thing. 
We said Ontario. You can read stories from somebody who played in Washington. Like, this isn't different anywhere. It is a uniquely hockey culture problem. And I, I just want to know where it comes from because the only way I think we can really fix it is if we know where it started from and why it is so widely used. And this gets embedded in kids really, really young. Like, you wouldn't say it if you didn't hear it. That's true. And I, to be honest, I really don't know where it comes from. It comes from, like, you, you at a young age, like, you get, like, to chirp on ice and whatever, chirp on the ice, which is, like, basically, like, you know, making fun of someone or, like, being, like, nasty to them and or whatever. Yeah, but um, it should be funny. It should, yeah. but at times it's, like, it's like brutal or whatever if you're, like, say you, like, slash a kid or whatever and he, and you chirp him back and it's just kind of, like, a, it's more of an aggressive thing where you're not going to get a penalty um i doesn't it doesn't it doesn't come from that but i would think it comes from more of like young kids and i would say it started probably in like middle school is when that culture kind of comes around and forms i don't know why but it, it literally just shows up it's kind of weird i i find it interesting when i think about why it happens in hockey and a lot of it is because the people who play hockey then become coaches or they still work around the sport they heard it they never got told it was bad so then it just trickles down and the cycle self-repeats. And maybe, again, maybe for you it was a little bit different. But again, the, again we're talking about kids who are, again, I, I, I focus on the playing for the love of the game thing because I think that's really important. It shows just how pervasive the culture is in many ways. Yeah, it's so, it's so backwards. For anything other than I love hockey and I want to keep playing or doing this. And for you, you are also playing for the love of the game. And it still entraps you a little bit because you love the sport, but how can you fully love the sport if this is happening to you constantly? And even now that it's mostly stopped, I would hope it mostly has stopped. Yeah, it has. And that's good, good thing because I can imagine you would take a lot of penalties if you got called anything on the ice. Yeah, I would probably, I was still, I was still getting a lot of penalties. <laughs> Well, you're a defenseman. That's fine. Not every defenseman can win the Lady Bang Trophy of <laughs> um, ACHA Club Hockey, I guess, if there's an award like that. Dumbest award in sports, the Lady Bang Trophy. Congratulations. Um, yeah. It's just, but I, I think the point of it is, is even for you, like, this stuff has had to have affected your love of hockey in some way. It has, to be honest, a little bit. Like, I've run into coaches um, that aren't as accepting and um whatever like my the current coach at my university i i try to avoid um like contact like my eye eye contact or whatever with like because i don't know he's like a 60 70 year old guy and um to me he can't really skate um that's just whatever um but stop 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 here you don't mind me asking we have a hockey coach who can't skate yeah so he's like 70 years old so i every time he goes on the ice i always everybody's always like, all right, he's going to fall this time and it's not going to be good. Um, and I, I don't understand. He says he played at um, BC or BU or whichever one it was. Well, I don't um, get those mixed up. Yeah. Under, well, it was under, I don't, I, he said, I can't remember which team he played for, but he said, oh yeah, I was on this team and we, we've looked up the rosters and whatnot and for those years. Um, and Phil Esposito in there, a little bit of a Phil Esposito impression. I was impressed. <laughs> what that sound did legitimately i i like that oh gosh um but yeah <laughs> i'm trying to get my voice to sound like that and i end up sounding like a muppet that's being stepped on so it doesn't really work that well but to the point 
like that's the problem like how can you love your sport if you can't really even talk to your coach i've i've learned just to kind of just shut down and just perform just do what i like keep my not keep my head down but kind of keep your head down in hockey you're gonna get paralyzed if people know what i'm talking about um but basically i kind of just learned to like shut up on the ice and kind of just be like all right like just go with the flow with the coach and whatever and just be who you are outside of hockey which sucks um until like the kind of the day if you look at my article where i'm just kind of standing with my pride flag and i was kind of getting uh weird looks from my coach that day um so it was our team it was our headshots and um that was this past year where i uh, was like all right you know what i'm gonna kind of do something that represents who i am and i like ho- i love hockey um and i'm proud of who i am so i'm gonna bring my like my pride american flag on the ice for our headshots and like my my teammates are like all for it they love the idea They're like oh that would actually be kind of sick and like headshots are usually like like we joke around like they bring beach chairs and stuff on the ice and whatever and i had traditionally been more serious about those kind of stuff because you know you kind of want the cool instagram pic to post um or facebook post that your mom oh my god look at my son he's an awesome hockey player he plays he plays club hockey <laughs> but um I kind of just was like, whatever. People you still use Instagram, they do. Maybe they shouldn't. I was like, people still use Facebook that aren't for QAnon conspiracy theories? Oh, no. Those conspiracy theory pages are kind of funny, though. You read no, some of those comments? <laughs> they, are, they are not funny. They are actually legitimately scary. Anyway, um, I was going to ask you about that photo because I really like it. Because, again, that is the first time legitimately I've seen that. You know, somebody on the ice with anything Pride-related. And I'm not talking about Pride tapes and warm-ups because that's – yeah, that you you even get that for the straight NHL players no, and no, no, stuff. No, no, no. I'm also talking about like just seriously like something like that. Like again, because that's the because that's the quote unquote stereotypical draft pose, you know. Yeah. You got the kid who has the suit and tie on, puts the sweater <laughs> over the top, and then they do that pose for the for the you know team website. But I again, I've never seen anybody do that with a pride flag, or anything pride related. So I thought that was really cool. I can imagine, like, the day in 2073 when this happens in any some high level of hockey and you see that and you're going to go, that is pretty – again, imagine somebody at a higher level of hockey doing that. Yeah. How, how, how big of a deal would that be? It would be huge. It would be huge. It would be absolutely huge. So. And what would your life have been like, let's say you're playing hockey in high school and there was actually somebody to look up to that was a gay hockey player who you can say, yeah, I can do this. So in high school, if there was someone like that, I, I probably would have been more comfortable with myself, obviously. And it would, I would have a figure to kind of be like, all right, like it's normalizing it. It's normalizing it in the hockey community. And like, yes, for like a couple, like a few years, it would probably be like, all right, like he's gay. Like he's obviously not as good just because he's gay, like whatever. And like, people and then you'd probably be like all right like he's actually good even though he's gay like really like being gay doesn't define who you are in your sport like yes you can be gay and be terrible at the sport but you can be gay and you can be phenomenal at your sport for especially in hockey like it doesn't matter your sexuality doesn't matter and that's like that's what is brought into like any sport really is like if you're gay you're not gonna be good at sports you should really just go do theater or whatever or go be like a politician or something. Or not even a politician, go like on a debate team or whatever. Or skills or whatever. Or a photographer if we're going to go back yes, to Yes, a photographer, yeah. So it's just kind of, it's a stereotype. And it, But if I had someone in high school to look up to like that, I probably would have come out earlier and been more comfortable with who I was. Would you have picked hockey over football in that regard? No. I still would not have picked hockey over football. 
So that hockey over football was more of a skill thing for me. It was like, all right, like I have more chance to go um, to a higher level, higher level for this one. I, mean, I loved football, but you know, it is what it is. It's life. Shit happens. It is life. That is correct. It's just I, I find it fascinating when you even. And again, I'm not belittling you because it's club hockey at a small school, but I think that the story itself, it shouldn't matter what the level is at. You know, it, it should matter that the crux of the story is you hear this language, it eats at you, and there's only so much you can do before. And, you're, and you had it a little bit lucky because you snapped and it didn't end up causing you anything. Yeah, it, and I, I was lucky in that aspect. If you're now going to talk to a, a hockey player, again, any level doesn't matter who it is. If you're going to talk to a hockey player and they're gay and they're going through something similar to you, it could be worse, it could be quote-unquote better. I don't know how much better it can be with this sport. But what would you be telling them to do? So my kind of like advice to any like hockey player or um, like in my situation, whether it be worse or, um, or not, I'd just be like, listen, like, like hockey is, it's only temporary right now. And like you change teammates and whatever. And like the people in the team, if they don't like you, it's not their opinion that matters. It's your actual friend's opinion that matters. Um, like keep your head high and like just, you just, or don't tell them if you're not comfortable with it. Like you don't need to be all about that in the locker room. But if it, if it obviously does bug you, like it bugged me a lot. Um, then say something, which I believe everybody should say something, but it's not up to me to determine if people want to say something. At the end of the day, whether you decide to stand up for yourself or not, it is who you are, and it would be better to feel like yourself um, in every aspect of your life, even if it's in a locker room. And if people don't accept you, it's fine. They don't need to accept you. It's, it's, it's shitty on their part, but that's part of life, and you can you can seek out the people who do accept you and the teammates who do accept you on the team, and that's kind of what I did. Even though my my team is my team has been accepting, all my teammates have been accepting. Um, but if there was a situation where there wasn't a kid who didn't accept me, I would kind of would have just blocked them out or just kind of not ignored them. I still would have been his teammate, but I kind of just would have been not as pleasant or whatever until he accepted the fact of, of it's who I am and I can't control it. Um, but it it's we're all humans in the end of the day, like. We all deserve a chance, you know, so not to get we, deep, but <laughs> yeah, you, you do. It's not that deep to say every human being should be treated the same, but you know, it's humanity. It's, it's sometimes hard to reckon with humanity. I, I want to ask this question too, because I, I think about it when I think about what somebody's going through and they feel afraid, not just to talk, but they feel afraid to, not just to your entire team, but just to talk about anything in general. Because I think that that's something that is important and is the stepping stone for people feeling free to talk about themselves. You know, not just whether what their sexuality is, but just like usually hockey people only want to talk about hockey and that's it. And if you feel boxed in by the sport where I can't be myself here, you know, that, that's one of those things. Now, I, luckily for you, you never had to deal with something like that. But if somebody came up to you and said, well, I don't know if I can even talk. You know, what would you suggest that they do next if is if something like that? And they they want to continue with hockey. They love the sport, but there's so much else goes on around them that makes it hard for them to be able not just to continue to play, but to play at the level that they want to play at. I so so I, I never really ran into that in high school. I kind of was I was a quieter one of the team, you know, um, and I would barely talk in the locker room just because I didn't really feel like I had anything to contribute. 
Um, but towards the end of my career, I was like, all right, like I can actually kind of be more vocal and just like, again, it's just stand up for you want to do. And if you don't want to talk about hockey, you don't need to talk about hockey. You can talk about other things. Like you can always have like a side conversation or, or whatever. Um, and you just, and if you, if you, if that's uncomfortable for you, then I don't know, it's talking about social skills, but because and I think what I think about that, I think about the stereotypical hockey locker room where it's, what is it? Hockey girls and booze or something like that. And if that interests you. You know, yeah, you can GTFO. Well, so. I wouldn't recommend that personally. No, no. You know what I mean? But like, but that's the kind of the thing I feel like in a hockey locker room, you can't talk about, um, for instance, what did I think of this episode of Archer? Oh, yeah. No, it's. I picked for, a random TV show there. I don't know if that. Yeah, was. no, I, I understand that. Like, and that and that's the kind of thing that it's I. It's kind of just the same repetitive things. Every team, it's like it's 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 part of the culture why, and it sucks. And that's why I feel like, how can you rise above it? How can you compartmentalize it so that you don't end up hurting yourself with this? Because it hurts, and I can still tell from talking to you, even though you came out of it pretty well unscathed, all things yeah. considered, it still scarred you a little bit. And you had the lucky end of the experience, as opposed to some of the other people that. I can imagine are out there that have not had the good end of this experience and some of them might be listening to this show it's that it's why i asked the question about capital h hockey the institution because i can love the sport i could love playing the sport but everything else around it you know what i mean like yeah i wish that i could play hockey but not have to deal with everything else that is hockey yeah it's like you, you go and do what you love and then go out and you really don't need to talk about it like outside of the sport like it's kind of it's kind of just everything else that comes along with it, like all the hockey locker room stuff. Just some of it sucks, and I kind of I learned to like be like, all right, like we're gonna just shut down and not talk during these times, and try to bring try to bring something else up, um, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. And usually we ended up transitioning to like talking about parties and stuff or whatever that we we had gone to the previous weekend or like parties that are coming up. So wonderful hockey staple. Yeah. That's that's a hockey staple. I just find that it, it it's fascinating again, because when I think about these these hockey players, they're programmed to act the same, talk the same, because they don't know any better, and that's why I'm saying like that little individuality. And for somebody who desperately needs to show that individual streak, and when you are a member of this community, that is really something you have is that individual streak, but you can't do much with it. You know what I mean? When, when, when the sports culture kind of freezes you out when you are, you know. And yeah. that's the thing that I always, and, and maybe, again, your experience isn't identical to what everybody is going to have because it's, it's very unique. But, you, again, you came out to two different teams in much the same way for much the same reason. And I, I, should, I should have asked this before, but I guess I'm going to ask this now. Was there any big difference between the two teams, or was the culture so very much identical that you really couldn't separate between the two locker rooms? The culture was pretty pretty much identical um, between the two locker rooms. Um, I guess I, I felt more at home at New Haven just because I was closer with a lot of the people there, and it was it didn't feel like everybody was pinned against me pinned against me because I was like the the new kid or I was like the outsider initially. Um, whereas I kind of just was like, all right, I, I came in as in a freshman, and um, then I just I was like, all right, you know, we're just gonna. Richardson didn't do it, and they accepted me. And then, whereas Wentworth, I kind of just waited to see, to get the feel of the room, you know, the temperature or whatever. And 
I just, I got so mad. I just was like, all right, I'm just going to say it. So it was just, it was a, it was a place where I felt like I had a family at one, one school. And then I went to another school and it was just like, all right, like, I don't know any of these people. Like I, I still feel like an outsider, even though it's like my second semester. I think that was part of it because in New Haven, as you said, the, the team was connected with something else. Yeah, it was. That is distinct. That is not hockey, which is not something you get in in most, most other places. So I, Here's a, here's a question I always find interesting. If there was something you could redo with all that you have gone through with your stories and who you came out with and, you know, the, the particulars like that, is there anything you would redo or do you now go back and think, I, I, it's not really worth it, this is my story and I'm going to own it, you know? Because I think all of us wish we could, we could redo something in the past when it comes to this or I wish I came out sooner or I wish I did X, Y, Z. Yeah, so of course there's always, like, there's always little stuff that I could have done that I wish I did better. Um, with like my coming out story like I wish I like came out to people like naturally not feeling like like need feeling like I needed to because like they were saying bad words I wish that there were other reasons other than that I I wish that sometimes I wish that but sometimes I think it listen it's a good thing like you can change it change people's culture you can kind of shock them and be like this is not acceptable and here's why like it infuriates people it pisses people off um, so, and another thing I probably would have changed is I, one thing I had always kind of, I still kind of dream about is going back to football and like coming out in football and just being like, feeling like who I was in the locker room there. But again, that's in the past. So again, things happen in many ways and that's yeah. have reason, but they just happen. And sometimes it, it goes by too quickly for you even to notice it. And your, and your football career didn't last all that long. No, it didn't. <laughs> I know you wish it lasted longer. I do. <laughs> what, would, what, what, what would have happened if if football, like, would you have continued to play it, and how would that have affected hockey? Would you have gone on to do what you did in many ways if football had continued the way you hoped? So if football continued the way I hoped, um, I fell, but just playing more than you did. Yeah, so I I probably would have come out eventually um, to like my team. Bad. Show, but it would have been framed a lot differently. I is, is what I oh, would've... it entirely would have been framed different. I probably would have, I probably would have hid in the closet for longer during football because it's it was it was more of a lax, relaxed culture for like the slurs and stuff that happened in the locker room for hockey. Um, so, and like if if I continued, if I was still playing football now, like I'd probably I probably would have been trying to go like the NFL camp by now. Um, which clearly wouldn't happen due to the pandemic. Um, but I probably would have been in that kind of line. I probably would have tried to do that as much as I could and just be outspoken about like, um, gay people in athletics or gay people in football, gay people in any sport where it seemed like it's demeaning, you know, I would kind of would have used that as like, I kind of would use my platform if I had a platform to kind of help people, you know? So you would have come out, it just would have happened guess a different different oh entirely i i i i really don't know how to explain how i would have come out i probably would have just been like all right like football and that is different like nobody really questioned nobody really like would be yelling at you not yelling at you like saying those things to you in the locker room like you're 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 a fag or whatever or whatever um or you're gay because of this no one's i never really experienced that in like a football locker room setting um which might shock some people, but it's not what I experienced. It was more of a team team kind of thing, and everybody kind of supported other people. 
I, I, again, you can explain it better than I would because I have not been in those situations. And I, again, I find it interesting. It just it further proves the point that if sports are the final boss for the LGBT community, then hockey is the secret super boss you need to be up to level 100 to beat and then still be able to do 70 other different things to win. Oh, entirely. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's, that's, my, that's, that's my other new favorite comment about just coming out. So what made you want to do the Outsports story? So I saw Matt's, Matt Lynch's story on Outsports. Which is um, something who, I should have mentioned at the top that Matt Lynch put, got us together to do this show. Hi, Matt, previous podcast guest, plugging him. You should listen to the stuff he does and, and follow him. He's great. Yes, he is. He's a, he's a wonderful guy. He's awesome. So I saw Matt Lynch's story on, um, on Outsports, and I read it, and I was like, all right, like, this is awesome. And I kind of wanted to, like, I kind of had it set in my mind, like, I wanted to do something for other people. Um, to kind of read and to be able to feel more comfortable in their skin. Like, even if they're not out, like, obviously a lot of the people who probably read my article are already out. And, like, there's the one in 100 of a chance, you know, where there's a person who's closeted who who is reading my story and is finding inspiration from it. Um, and that's what I kind of want to reach. I kind of want to reach the people who aren't out. I want to make them feel like it's normalized. I want them to feel who they are. I don't want them to have to go to like therapy for not being able to feel like who they are in a setting with friends and whatever. I want them to be able to be like, listen, like I'm gay. It's not like, it doesn't define me entirely. That's not entirely who I am. Like I'm this entire other person. And also do you, do you find it that it's more important because of the sport you're playing to do that? With hockey? Yeah. I, I, I believe it's extremely important because it's such, it's such, again, like we've discussed in this entire thing, if we haven't made um, it clear yet that uh, this is bad stuff that you hear in these hockey locker rooms, um, yeah, it, out to it, you again. It would be it, it, it's huge, and it, it kind of brings up again the point where things need to change. Things have changed in some aspects um, at certain levels, but not in the levels where like kids are kids like me are most affected, like clubs or lower division three or whatever. Um, or even high school, where things are just not changing, and it's not really, it's not really noticed by the athletics, or not really noticed by the coaches. It's more noticed by the kids, and it can really affect someone's mental health, and which sucks. But um, like, it it needs to change, and that's what I want to happen. And that the only way that it's going to happen is if people speak up and finally are like, all right, this is not acceptable. Like, it shouldn't be happening. Like all this stuff. So. So if you're going back to your high school team, for instance. What are you then telling them that they need to do? Obviously, you can't use gay slurs in your language, period, no matter what. Otherwise, yeah. you're bad dating. I mean, that's one thing. But what is? what are the other things? Because it has to be more than that. Because I, I, like, just doing that doesn't, I don't think, is going to advance anything. And setting up committees is not going to advance anything. So if no, you're it's not. Here, and you're saying, this is what I think, as a gay hockey player, we need to do to make this sport more comfortable for people like me so I don't have to go through what I went through or nobody has to go through what I went through. What are you telling them to do? What are you? There needs to be a change within obviously like the coaching culture as well. The coaching culture, like a lot of coaches don't catch it and don't enforce anything. Like you said, bag skating, like a punishment um, or just like players need to be informed that like we're all human. Like we're all here to do one thing and that's either win. And I hope no team's trying to lose, but sometimes that does happen. Um, Are you referring to the Buffalo Sabres, sir? I'm sorry, I had to make that joke. It was a 
It was just inevitable. It was inevitable. My, my team that I follow tries to lose a lot too, unintentionally, but they lose a lot. I'd say the Bruins did pretty good this year until the pandemic happened. <laughs> I'd say the Bruins did really well that one time they were up 4 nothing in the third period against the Panthers and still lost. That was great. Oh, don't bring it up. Nightmares. Amazing. Your team wins all the time. Shut up. Not anymore. <laughs> well, congrats. Nobody's playing hockey during a pandemic. But, I mean, uh, your team has won three playoff series in the last year, and the Panthers last did that in uh, when I was three years old. So, congratulations. <laughs> uh, anyway, diversion. So, just, just the, the coaching, I think, is another thing. Because the coaches, again, they come from a, a, a place where they don't know what to look for, and I do not know what to look for. It's a, it's a generational gap, and it's they also just a – changing themselves either. And, and if they don't catch it and it's not brought up to them, but even when it is brought up to them, it's not brought up to them in a way that they're going to be receptive to the change. No, it feels like they they're won't. intruded on. So how would you tell a coach, like your coach, if you were coming from the outside in, how would you tell the coach to say this is how you foster an environment where these people would feel okay? So I, it's really, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess, because um, you can't really change a person's mind like on one on one thing but you can kind of tell them like listen like people's i don't want to say that people people's lives are at stake are. and people's I, joy because of some of the stories you hear from people like, yeah lives are at stake like, people people's lives are at stake and obviously people the fun of the sport like is also at stake for some people like people will stop playing because they hear the stuff or they don't feel accepted um, and like, there are going to be more people in the history of the hockey world that stopped playing because of this than ended up surviving all that they've gone through to come out at a high level. It's just inevitable. And, and, and how many great players has hockey lost because of this? A lot. And, and, you're, and you're right. And it's the point of like how many like how many Sidney Crosby's, or in your case because it's the Bruins, how many Patrice Bergeron's did you lose because they couldn't deal with the culture of the sport. It's it, it. I don't even think you could count the number. It, it'd be ridiculous. And it, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Like, if you if you approach a coach and you ask him and you tell him like you need to enforce this like to make people feel more comfortable, some coaches will just be like, yeah, I'll, I'll enforce it, and then they won't. They'll kind of just be like, all right, like whatever. They'll just walk away. They might say something once, but. The only way that it is really going to change in the locker room is if it's like, if it's constantly said, constantly brought up, like, like listen, guys, like you need to accept this, or like if there's like a inclusivity, not training, but like inclusivity, like kind of thing, you know. But I don't you think it's it's harder because personally, like it, it's hard to say to people, well, don't say that because somebody might be offended. It's different when you have a story like you because you're in the room and you're going to do something to them if they don't. But even then, you're in the room. You know, and there are just so few examples of that. Like that's why I difficult to to, to grasp. Like they, they maybe they want to change the culture, but they don't know how in some cases, and that also creates a, a really odd dynamic, right? Where some people clearly don't want to change, but then others just don't know how to. And that, yeah. and that puts everything into a just a bad mix. And it is again, as I said in hockey, it's not like they have much to look towards. For examples, because there just aren't any. There's there's literally no examples that I can think of. So, well, I counted the number already, but but in football, right? You have examples. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. In football, you have 
a litany of examples that you can say, like, okay, yes, he's out, he's gone through it, but you heard the stories of why, you know, of, of people, I'm doing with Patriot Ryan O'Callaghan, I think, yeah. is a great example of, of a story of this. That sport still can do a lot of damage. It's not a good thing. But, it, it, I mean, all of them can have these same sorts of problems, but I, it's just, it's, for hockey, it is even more difficult just to, to ascertain, you know, why then do we go through? Because as I said, like what, my, the other point that I always make now, and I'll make it here again, is if there's a player right now, not just in the NHL, but at any level, like at, let's say a high enough level, what are they going through? What is their mental state? What do they feel that they can be? Because you know they've given their lives to the sport of hockey. Yeah. But hockey yeah. hasn't given them anything. Like, every day they go in and they know, well, I don't know how many people like me. I don't know whether I can even be close to being myself in this space. It's anxiety. That's that's what they're really feeling, anxiety and pressure. And they're feeling like they're trapped, again, trapped within the culture. And and that's why I say, and it's so hard to change that culture. And It and, is. And, 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 and that's why I asked these people, like, what would you do to do it? And I think in many ways it's going to take people like you who played – even at a low level, to go into the sport and be, you know, let's say you have a child and he wants to play or she wants to play. Women's hockey is a little bit different because of a, a bunch of other dynamics. But if you have a son and he wants to play, like you being around would automatically change a few things. As yeah, it's some of it. If I had a son and he went and played hockey, and I'd, I'd obviously kind of want to coach because <laughs> you know what goes on in the locker room and stuff. You'd want to be involved and you'd kind of want to stop those stuff stop that stop that culture before it starts at the young at the young age and that's really where that's really the only place that it can really stop is from the young age and like obviously you can look at the professionals and see how they're professional like it's you have to be professional even at the young age you got to learn that like you've got to be professional with other people like you got to be respectful of them like even if you don't know if they're gay or not like you don't know that's it you don't know how it can affect them so. As I say, like it, there, there's going to be a story that comes out one day, and I hope it's soon, where we hear a story that is really, really tragic in many ways. Like, again, you got lucky. I've talked, again, we had a couple hockey guests on this show, but there's going to be one that's going to be really sad. And you're going to go, all of this could have been avoided. All of this could have been avoided. And you're going to feel it more than almost anybody else, right? Because it's, it's, that's the problem is the sympathy – is there but the empathy right like that's the other thing like in hockey it's just hard to empathize when there's nobody else out there that's done what you've done or you've gone through what you've gone through and how can you change a culture when there's no way of knowing how to change the culture you're just stuck in you know it's like asking the people who are progenitors of the culture to change the culture that's quite difficult and that's the one problem with hockey is just you need other people to be able to influence that kind of from the outside and hockey has to let people from the outside in and 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 that also creates that weird dynamic where who can be allowed into the hockey world you don't yeah you really don't want outsiders and there's nobody who's out in the hockey world anyway it, it, it creates again it creates a barrier and, and and hockey is such a great sport there's so much that is good about it but you see the stories right now of like it's dying on the vine in places where it shouldn't be because hockey culture is killing it. Yeah. You know, and and I, I, I mean, even in Massachusetts, I would imagine like it's harder now 
because there are people who are like, I don't want my kids playing hockey. Not just for the cost of the sport, because that is what it is. But the culture, too. So There's people who know what the culture is, and they hear it, and I'm like, I don't want my kid going through that. And who can blame them? And so I've rambled on about this, and I don't want to continue to ramble on, because I've held you too long on a Friday night. I'll no, don't worry about it. Maybe you shouldn't go out partying on a Friday night when there's COVID-19 and a bunch of young people are getting it because of that. And if you haven't seen the picture of the 20-year-olds or 20-something-year-olds' lungs, what they look like after oh, a gosh. lung transplant when you got COVID-19, don't look it up if you're eating dinner. I would I would advise you not to do that. But what's your what's the final words you'd like to give on your story and what you hope to do from your position to help make this sport just a tiny bit better for everybody else who desperately want to see it change? So... I just kind of want people to hear my story and kind of just be like, it'll be all right. Like it's who I am, like accept who you are, you know? Um, and kind of just take away, like it's some people don't have as bad. Some people have it, have it way worse, but my story was good. And I can only hope that other people who are listening to this or whatever, um, have it just as good as I did. And people were accepting of me, but I know that's not the case. And, I just want them to keep their heads held high no matter what because it is who they are and it it shouldn't really matter what people think of you unless they actually like you. So if someone genuinely likes you for who you are, they will stick by you even if even when you come out to them. So so I also think it's it's a very important line here which is you're not going to be a hockey player forever but you're going to be a gay man forever or yeah, a bisexual yeah. man forever or whatever you are forever. Yeah, it's hockey's temporary but who you love isn't like that's what it comes down to it's like you can't you're not going to change this about you can't change this aspect about yourself like you might trick yourself into it you might think you can but you're not gonna so it's it's you're gonna be gay and it's it's what it is you know but hockey's temporary and you can always find another team to kind of of people who would accept you and yeah you'd have to come out to them but it'd be better than not being accepted than the people who you're playing with and just you know i just hope that at some point we can get to a stage where the groundwork is there for somebody to come out because right now i just don't think there is i hope we i hope we can get to a stage where people don't really have to come out and I feel the feel feel the fear that they do that we're not anywhere near that yet i would like just somebody at a high level of hockey to come out period to prove that all that we're saying here isn't in vain you know, I don't care yeah. what level it is. I just want it to happen because I'm sick and tired of saying this exists, this exists, but I can't give you a name. You know, I want to give that name to somebody. You know, I want that story to be there to say to people, this happens, but we can make it better so that the next person like him doesn't have to go through that. So that, that, I don't want to end this on a bad note. So how about yeah. we end it by uh, plugging yourself? Where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram. You can uh, search my name, uh, Adam Fyra. That's uh, A-D-A-M-F-Y-R-E-R. Um, that's on Instagram. F-R-Y-E-R. No, F-Y-R-E-R. <laughs> um, and then you can also reach me on Twitter. Same same uh, name, I think. I don't know. I really don't use Twitter. Um, I just... Probably for the best. Twitter sucks. It does. <laughs> I use um, it when I have to. Yeah, and then you can also reach me at my email, which is my name, um, Adam Fire again at gmail.com. So, I hope people do. I hope people talk to you. And again, don't don't focus on the level that he's playing at. Focus on what he went through and his story, and what that story could inform us about how we can make this better in the future. 
because we have to. Because this sport is perhaps killing people with this, and we can't have that continue to happen. It no, we can't. too much good in this sport. There's too much awesome in this sport and the people you meet through this sport for this to continue to happen over and over again. And I'm sick and tired of it happening. And it, it is why I still focus on doing these hockey episodes, even if they sound the same, and they might. <laughs> we have to. We have no choice. How is this sport going to change? The people inside it don't want it to change. The people on the outside and the people who really care have to be loud and be able to push for it. And I hope that that's exactly what we can do. So thank you, Adam. I apologize again if you found this sport was a little bit, um, uh, I don't want to say boring, but I mean, I have to do these shows because, again, my crusade against hockey culture will continue forever. <laughs> uh, well, until it changes, if you, if you don't want me to crusade against hockey culture, hockey people, then change your culture. It's not hard to do that. I mean, it is hard to do that, but it's not as difficult as um, having to uh, listen to me yell at you every day. I mean, you, you, you have that feeling, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's not you. Got, it's got to happen. So, like, something's got to change, obviously. So, I, I hope so, and I hope in a month we'll actually talk about hockey games instead of talking about you know about past games. You know, well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to sit there talking about hazing incidents. That neither do I stuff from you know that the cia rejected as torture methods i don't want to keep doing <laughs> that if you if you haven't read up on the dan carcillo garrett taylor lawsuit i encourage you to do so because that is a lot of the crux of why we talk about hockey culture and what the worst of it can be because when you read that you'll never unread it basically and uh as i said i i want this sport to be better none of us are doing this and you want this sport to be better of course yes the sport to continue to be where it is if it's going to grow, if it's going to be the sport that we know it can be in a sport that so many people love, not just in your part of the world, but everywhere across this country and, and beyond, you have to make it actually a place that people want to be. And it, not a place that people feel like they have to be. So until we speak again and until my next podcast where I rail against hockey culture, uh, stay safe from the pandemic because it's still here. Yes, it is. Stay safe. Stay safe.